for the Agile community. www.agile.fm Welcome back to another episode of Agile FM. And today I have Nigel Thurlow with me. Uh, Nigel is the chief of Agile at Toyota Connected. Uh, he is uh, based out of Dallas in Texas, uh, but he's a UK expat and uh, he can be reached at uh, his Twitter handle, Nigel Thurlow. Uh, we also have um, other links for his work uh, on our event page you can check out on Agile FM. But before we get started talking about Toyota, Toyota Connected, welcome to the podcast, Nigel. Well, thank you, Joe. It's, uh, it's awesome to be here. I looked at some of the people who've participated with you recently and uh, it's uh, a pleasure to be amongst such uh, uh, amazing company. Of course, of course. And uh, we'll, we'll expand on, on the list. And uh, not that you are next on the list, that this is not like a particular order. Um, but it, it, I'm excited to have you here because we want to talk about Toyota Connected. And I always say connected at the end because I want you to possibly uh, spell out for the uh, listeners here what Toyota, Toyota Connected is um, in, in, in contrast to Toyota itself? Um, well, it's quite simply put, we, uh, we were envisaged originally as a big data company looking at the uh, amount of data we can collect from the uh, various systems on our vehicles and how we might be able to use that uh, data to enhance our customers' uh, experience behind the wheel. Um, but we've gone beyond that now. We're looking at how we're going to be able to uh, develop the next uh, uh, future of connected technologies for our mobility solutions. Toyota is a global company under our president, Akio Toyota, has sort of got a vision now of moving more to a mobility uh, future where car ownership models may change or the use of uh, transportation may change. And so Toyota wants to be at the forefront of that and enabling the appropriate mobility solutions for our customers and the people who use our vehicles. Uh, and of course, Toyota Connected is looking at the, uh, the digital revolution in automotive technology and we're really at the forefront of that technology. Right, so it's everything digital, it's about um, analysis, it's about data um, compared to the actual car manufacturing which is handled by the Toyota without the connected, right? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, we're clearly we're very, very much part of the, the uh, larger manufacturing picture, but we are focused on the, the digital aspects, the connected car technologies, uh, and things like ride sharing and uh, other mobility solutions that have mm -hmm. a digital aspect or a digital element to them. Yeah, there's definitely a lot going on in that in that market. Uh, can you just give us a little bit of a sense of the size of, of Toyota Connected, uh, culture, things like that, what you guys, I mean, I think a lot of people know, and we're going to go to that topic as well, to the Toyota way and, and so on. But this is this is a separate entity here. So so what's the size of Toyota Connected? So we're quite a small company. We're about two hundred people now, uh, about one hundred and thirty-five team members, and, uh, and then some partners and, and contractors who work with us. Um, we're based in uh, Plano, just outside North Dallas, mm -hmm. uh, but we're actually an affiliate of Toyota Connected Japan, which mm -hmm. is the if you like the parent of Toyota Connected over in Japan. Um, we're a, a cousin of Toyota Motor North, North America, not a direct affiliate as such. Um, and as far as culture is concerned, we were originally envisaged two years ago as a startup backed by a global organization. We've grown much more rapidly than I think the founders originally thought we would do. 
uh, and now we're a, a fully fledged uh, high tech company in North Dallas mm-hmm. um, and had recently expanded into uh, London. Toyota Connected uh, Europe was announced very recently with offices in London. And so that expansion of Toyota Connected continues. Mm-hmm. For, so, for somebody who is uh, out of the UK, uh, you come full circle at that point, right? <laughs> now that's well, you know, I'm, I've not yet benefited from the uh, business trips back home, but who knows in the future. <laughs> maybe that will become a perk of the job. We'll see. <laughs> All right, you just said it's a relatively new um, entity, Toyota Connected. Was this company uh, transformed? towards agile and, and lean possibly because there is this history of Toyota or uh, did you guys start already with, with that kind of culture in mind? Yeah, the, the, uh, our founders focus uh, was very much to be an agile organization. They, they went in with the, uh, pr- uh, the purpose of being a startup culture, but really from being an agile organization straight away, not specifically Scrum, but although we do use Scrum, we're going to talk about that later, mm-hmm. but to, to enable agility and, and really from an agile point of view, to be able to make decisions rapidly, to change direction rapidly, to be able to respond to the market demands rapidly, and to be able to, to serve our customer first promise more, more effectively. So it was always envisaged as that type of organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and to that end, we have a, uh, when people see photographs on the internet and, and, and visitors, and many people visit us on a frequent basis, they find a very much a startup uh, culture inside the, the organization. We're an open space office. Uh, we have extremely uh, nice furnishings and a very nice environment for people to work in. Uh, we bring lunches in every day from local restaurants. Uh, mm-hmm. We provide uh, beautiful coffee and uh, various different refreshments. Uh, we have beer in the mm-hmm. fridges if uh, people so desire. We uh, constructed the company in a way where we wanted to have people who enjoyed being there, create an environment where they could be creative, they could be innovative, and they enjoyed being. And a place where they want to bring people to show off where they work, family and friends and other associates, mm-hmm. to show them the sort of environment that we've created. And that allows us to focus on the work and focus on the innovation, the creativity, and the uh, solutions and the products and the innovation we're bringing to the market, rather than be uh, sort of hampered by some of the traditional sort of uh, office space constraints. We wanted Mm -hmm. to create an environment where that was no longer a constraint. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. I think you're you're painting a nice picture here of... uh you know, the, the workspace and all these things and people probably getting uh, right now a feeling of what this is going to look like. You have a history uh, with Toyota. Um, I'm not sure if I got the, the, the numbers right here, but roughly between 2006 and 10, uh, you had already some work done uh, with Toyota. And that's actually quite a, a few years ago. I know you have joined um, Toyota Connected roughly uh, one and a half years ago uh, to do exactly that. But Coming back to that time from 2006 to 2010 and then rejoining a little bit later again, there's a significant gap. What has changed at, uh, or what do you have seen different uh, in those years of your absence uh, in terms of Agile and Lean? What, what were the developments, uh, the differences? So uh, it's important to understand, first of all, and I, I've been talking about this quite a lot recently, the difference between Lean and Agile. There's, mm-hmm. there's, Sometimes these, these sort of uh, religious wars between two different opposing forces tend to crop up. But 
Lean and Agile are different things, mm -hmm. and they are heavily complementary, and you can be lean without being agile, and you can be agile without being lean. It's important to understand, first of all, that the term lean is a term coined in a book called The Machine That Changed the World, and the MIT authors of that book coined the term lean to describe the Toyota production system. And the Toyota production system is really where I got my start when I was based in Belgium, in Brussels, working with Toyota Motor Europe at the time. Uh, and I have a lot of my career to, to be thankful for by the people who trained and mentored me during those years, mm -hmm. who helped me to understand what the Toyota production system was, what the lean approach was, and the tools and the philosophies behind the Toyota production system. And really, lean is about eliminating constraints in the system, removing excess waste in the system, and optimizing the system so we can deliver the value in the, in the fastest possible way to the customer. So essentially, what we're trying to do is deliver the highest quality at the lowest cost in the shortest lead time. And that is the philosophy behind what Toyota calls customer first. Mm -hmm. Where agility comes in, is where we want to be able to respond rapidly to the changing customer demand or the market, the changes in the market, the changes in the economics. We want a way to be able to respond rapidly to the way things are changing. And so we can couple agility with lean. We can optimize the way we deliver, but not be very agile, not be very responsive, not respond to that feedback. Or we can add in agility and be very responsive to that feedback while delivering in the most optimal way. Mm -hmm. So for me, lean and agile are perfectly complementary. Right. So in time back in Belgium in, in TME, of course, we were very lean, but we were not so agile. We were very waterfall focused in the way we delivered enterprise initiatives. Um, we were not very responsive to customer feedback because, hey, the customer gave feedback at the end. And if they gave feedback which wasn't great, then that made another large-scale initiative and all the usual phases to get that delivered. Mm -hmm. What I've seen happen since I joined, uh, well, started to do some work with Toyota Motor North America about two and a half years ago, what I've found is that there's now a desire to be able to be much more flexible, much more responsive, to be able to reduce the cost of delivery by ensuring that what we're delivering is the right thing. We can be delivering things the right way, which is lean, mm -hmm. but we may not be delivering the right thing without building that agility in. So that's the sort of the way I'm seeing the world changing within Toyota, but also generally, is that we're moving, we still want to be very lean, we still want to embody lean principles and lean delivery, but now we need to be more responsive to the way the market is telling us to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that that's a... Uh that's a great differentiator between those things and um, I like the fact that it's complementary right and there's uh, there shouldn't be really a war going on between those uh, things uh, we do see some uh, controversial talks at, at conferences out there and I think uh, what listeners you know very easily can hear from you is that this um, actually those uh, principles actually work very well hand in hand I, uh, I dug up some um, conference you spoke in 2017, you were already with uh, Toyota Connected and uh, uh, you spoke about um, uh, Scrum uh, being at Toyota Connected in particular um, in that talk, being there for, for a year and how Scrum was treating you. How is it now being there, I don't know what it is, nine months, 12 months later after that? What, 
how do you guys use Scrum? Because that talk was in particular about Scrum. What kind of things do you use it for? Yeah, exactly. Um, we are still using Scrum. Uh, Scrum is our predominant framework to enable us to be agile. And, and it's important to, to say that agility here or being agile is, is a result or a, an outcome. It's not the goal. We're not trying to become agile. What we're trying to, to do is to deliver our products and services better, faster, cheaper mm -hmm. um, to our customers and to deliver the appropriate solutions. And we become agile through the approaches that we adopt. Scrum has enabled us to become, well, let's just talk about a little bit about what I think Scrum is. I think that Scrum is a wonderful empirical planning tool, best mm -hmm. tool I've ever come up with for this particular approach. Uh, what Scrum is enabling us to do is to codify PDCA. So for the listeners, PDCA is Plan, Do, Check, Act. Mm -hmm. That's the original empirical process that comes from the work of Walter Schubert and then from Edwards Deming. And Toyota have been using PDCA for about 60 years now. And um, what the problem is with PDCA, everybody understands the concept. It isn't very well understood of how long should planning last, how long should doing last, and mm -hmm. what about checking and acting. So what Scrum's enabled me to do is to codify the PDCA cycle by, by applying the time box limits and by giving us a defined cycle of PDCA from between one and four weeks. Typically, our teams are doing one-week sprints or two-week sprints, and now we have a way of time-boxing PDCA, of codifying what each element of PDCA should be, and that's enabling teams to start changing their behavioral characteristics and to start focusing on shortening the feedback loop with the customer and actually delivering very small incremental uh, improvements in these short cycles, which of course Scrum calls sprints. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, this is, uh, yeah, the PCDA, right? Um, definitely a, a concept and, and Scrum Empirical wraps this, uh, these time boxes around it, even for the planning and the doing. You're, you're absolutely right. Um, how, do mm. you, how do listeners uh, need to picture, I mean, you're, you're talking about the, the concepts here, the, the processes, agility and lean. Um, and you're giving a little bit of a picture of how the organization looks like. But uh, how does your day actually look like? How do, pictures, how do people have to picture a, a day in the life of Nitro at uh, Toyota Connected? A day in the life of Nigel may not be the best example of Scrum, but it ought to be. <laughs> um, and I'm going a little bit more about how we use Scrum and, and how we extend that to the executive leadership how we extend that into uh, planning the various different product cycles. So we can, we can dig a little bit deeper into the, please, sort of the, the scaling sort mm -hmm. of side of things. But mm -hmm. from my point of view, my, my role is predominantly, I've built a team of exceptionally talented people. I've, I'm working with some of the best people I've ever had the pleasure to be engaged with. Um, my philosophy is very simple. My team manages me. I report to my team. So in Toyota Connected, we have about 15 uh, Scrum Masters that are deployed onto various teams within Toyota Connected. I also have a number of people that are working on my team to supporting Toyota Motor North America and our, our partners in, in our agile sort of pursuits down at the, our big sister down the road. Um, 
essentially my role is to support them, to mentor them, to give them the tools and the capabilities they need to be successful in working with teams and helping those teams to excel and become hyper-productive. Mm-hmm. Um, the management model we've adopted across the organization is horizontal, similar to Spotify, where we are, our team members are deployed onto teams but aren't managed vertically by a team manager or a delivery manager. We don't have those concepts. Mm-hmm. We have a horizontal management and support system. Those uh, individuals are fully empowered. As David Marquette might say, we've moved the authority to where the information is. So we've given the ability for uh, our scrum masters to uh, figure out the best ways of supporting the teams they're working with and the best ways to enable those teams to be as successful they can be in the work they're delivering. Mm-hmm. So my days spent variously supporting those those members. We've, we've formed what we call quality circles, which is a, more of a Toyota way of formalizing communities of practice so that we're able to work on continuous improvement and work on problem solving. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, I'm, I have established a number of training courses internally in Toyota, which we're delivering internally to help people understand lean, agility, scrum, and various other practices to mm-hmm. help them to be successful. Nice. So I'm spending a lot of time working on that prod, that, that set of classes and courses. Uh, beyond that, we're doing research with the University of North Texas. They have a team science department. Uh, together with themselves and, and Toyota Connected, we're studying things like the Kinevan model from David Snowden, mm-hmm. complexity theory, complex adaptive systems, and looking at multi-team systems. We're looking at how we can evolve the, uh, the current sort of scrum scrums practices into more effective multi-team systems. Uh, and we're, so we're working on some scholarly white papers in that, that's that, that area at the moment. So that's some of the basic things that I spend <laughs> my day doing every day. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, you, so just from, tu- you just touched on a few things here. And... Uh, Maybe we can just take a deeper dive. You you offer that uh, before you know before we um, took a dive into that question. Scaling mm-hmm. as well as the leadership um, piece of it, right? You you just touched on how you, how you lead and how you work with the teams and uh, you know clearing mm-hmm. clearing their path so that they can be agile. Um, but what about mm-hmm. the rest? What about the rest of uh, Toyota Connected? Um, the impact of, of Agile and, and Lean within your group or in your, you know, let's say Texas uh, area there, um, mm-hmm. as well as, as the scaling piece, why do you mention Scrum of Scrums, for example? Okay, so let's talk a little bit about how we expand this to, to multi-team systems. The mm-hmm. first thing is to say that my my opinion, and this is my opinion, and it, it may be controversial for some, is that I don't believe there is any scaling framework. I think there are many tools and many methods, many approaches to the challenges of working with multiple teams on a single product or perhaps even multiple teams with multiple products, which is a reality in large corporations. Um, So I think there's many approaches and tools and and systems out there. I do not believe there's any one-size-fits-all approach. Uh, I myself have a lot of experience with Scrum at Scale. I was fortunate to to be around Scrum at Scale in the early days and working with some of the the customers who were implementing Scrum at Scale. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm fortunate that one of my groups is actually using Nexus. So Scale Professional Scrum is another approach we've, we've looked at and experimented with. 
And, and indeed, I see a lot of merits and similarities with that and less large-scale Scrum. And indeed, there are some good aspects of the way large-scale Scrum or less approaches a scaling problem. Mm-hmm. But the issue is there isn't one single framework which you can just apply. And if everybody follows it, it works great. Whereas if you take Scrum, the basic framework, it seems to work in every context. We've got people in administration, in finance, in various other non-technical uh, areas using Scrum as a behavioral framework with an empirical planning process mm-hmm. and that feedback loop. And that's working fantastic in many contexts. And we seem to fit, we feel it fits in every context, just like a PDCA cycle should. However, when we start to approach different types of multi-team product delivery, we're not finding a single approach works exactly mm-hmm. as designed. So what we've started to discover and started to document are what we're calling patterns, which is a familiar word mm-hmm. to a lot of Agile and Scrum practitioners. Yeah, of so we're starting mm-hmm. to document behavior patterns. We're observing how teams work. We're observing how in different contexts teams function and the different things they have to do to enable agility and lean delivery, lean product flow, in various different contexts. And we're documenting those patterns, and we're starting to create a pattern library, which allows us to say, okay, in this context, here are some patterns we've observed that work really well, and they might work for you. Mm -hmm. And here are some patterns that we've observed don't work. Mm -hmm. Your mileage may vary, but because there's no one-size-fits-all, but hey, Here's some ideas that might work for you. So that's where our heads are at the moment, our research is. I'm very lucky that I'm working in a large living laboratory. I have this innovation incubator with a lot of amazing things happening. A lot of very, very talented individuals have formed into some pretty Mm -hmm. spectacular cross-functional teams. So we're able to observe them. And we're unable to sort of apply different ideas and observe whether it's a positive or a negative or amplifying or dampening certain types of of characteristics. Mm -hmm. And when we find the things that work, we're documenting them. And through the work with UNT, University of North Texas, we're going to be able to share this with the greater community and have these these practices and these patterns peer-reviewed to sort of say, hey, these things really seem to work. And we think that's a better approach mm-hmm. than just trying to slap a pre-configured framework over there. I doesn't mean to say that these frameworks aren't helpful and useful, and many people may find them exactly that. What we're saying is we're finding we need to be adaptive mm-hmm. to become more agile through our own research, and we want to share that back with people who are trying to do these same challenges. Right. So some of those patterns, just to, to clarify here and make sure that I understand this, right? So some of those patterns uh, might come from Scrum at Scale and Nexus, the two you just mentioned, um, and then obviously the ones you're identifying on your own while you're working through some of those multi-team um, agile efforts. Is that correct? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, to give you an example, we use the Metascrum pattern. Uh, the Metascrum pattern was originally defined before Scrum at Scale, but then as Scrum at Scale matured, the Metascrum pattern became a sort of a, a core part of Scrum at Scale. So we use a variant of uh, the, the Metascrum pattern that I'd been familiar with in, in previous lives, and we've now got that working to a level where we scale product ownership to the executive level. Our chief executive and president of the company, Zach Hicks, mm-hmm. and his leadership team 
all participate in a regular, what we call an executive metascrum, yes. which is where we're looking at the, the progress of various initiatives, the progress of various sort of, uh, product deliveries. We're looking at the alignment of what our core message is and our core customer demand across the organization is. And then we start to look at the, the priorities of that work at a, a, a more abstracted level, at a meta level, a much mm -hmm. higher level. And we're able to make prioritization decisions. So currently, our executive meta scrum occurs for two hours every month, where all of our chief product owners, and we can always look at that, explore that, that mm -hmm. concept if need be, our chief product owners are actually working with the executives, and the executives are fully engaged and, and looking at the progress of the organization of our main product focus, and then deciding how to make adjustments, if adjustments are necessary, to ensure we're prioritizing what is always going to be a limited set of resources and a limited set of capabilities from our people to actually ensure we're delivering the maximum value for our mm -hmm. customers. So this yeah. is how we've taken these patterns, we've adapted the patterns to fit the organization appropriately. Mm -hmm. well, it's also going to be interesting to see with, with your growth over the years or the upcoming years because we probably can all agree on that uh, the, the stuff you guys are focusing on is probably having a huge impact on the near future and your company most likely will grow and uh, we can then see the, the pattern catalog change or increase based on more learnings of scaling if a company grows to multi you know, levels uh, and, and, and to the hundreds of um, employees. Um, yeah, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say that's, that's actually uh, interesting because we're, we're also experimenting with the same, um, the same approaches in our big sister company down the road, of course, which is Toyota Motor North America. Um, the IS division there ranks around about 4,500 people. So that's a large scale to be able to implement uh, agile approaches and to gain agility in that organization. So... We're using the same approaches, and, that, and with Metascrum, we've sort of uh, created a multi-layered approach there between the executives and the, the sort of chief product owners, um, and we've introduced something called the leadership Metascrum, because mm -hmm. they, we're looking, some of the research I'm, I'm working on at the moment, of course, is going back to the work that Professor Robin Dunbar did on Dunbar's number, a number often used, uh, I mean, it's used by SAFE, but it's a number that's often discussed, and it's actually 148, but mathematically rounded to 150. And, and people like Bill Gore-Gortex, he, he took the Dunbar's number principle to the extreme where once a factory reaches 150 people, he goes and builds another factory. So quite a famous case study. He doesn't allow any business to exceed 150 people. Mm -hmm. uh, and the reason for that is that, as Professor Dunbar said, you know, the number of sort of cognitive or meaningful relationships that individuals can uh, maintain in a stable way sort of peaks at about 100, 150 people. And so what we're now starting to look at is, well, what does that mean for us at Toyota Connected? And what does that mean for the bigger landscape at uh, our big sister company? Does that mean we need to start looking at smaller, self-contained, fully functional, end-to-end units? that allow them to function like a small business and to maintain those cognitive relationships. And if it does, then how do we implement that without being disruptive to the larger picture? Because mm -hmm. clearly we, in the USA, we, we have tens of thousands of people working 
in our various different sort of departments and divisions within Toyota within the US. And so how do we apply this sort of concept without being overly disruptive and ensuring we continue to maintain mm -hmm. our speed of delivery and our quality of product? So this is some of the research we're looking into with in, in complexity theory and how we build effective organizations and maintain those effective limits. Because mm -hmm. when you start looking at scrum of scrums as a pattern, you can scale scrum of scrums infinitely. Right. But are we really going to have a, a scrum of scrum of scrum of scrum of scrum of scrum of scrum and right. so on? And we yeah. need to have a more effective way to enable rapid decision making and effective leadership through a large, complex organization. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, you mentioned uh, earlier, we talked about, you know, just the, the, the book, the Toyota Way, uh, the machine that changed the world. Uh, we talked a lot mm. about that, you know, the um, P PDCA cycle being 60 years, you mentioned, uh, or 60 years old, uh, or young, however you want to see it, right? And um, mm. yeah, so one of the things I wanted to touch on, and you actually said uh, earlier in, in our recording, you referred to the Spotify model. Um, I remember the early days of, of Agile with a lot of references uh, to Toyota out of the Lean movement, right? But also in the Agile uh, movement, the Toyota way, uh, there were keynote speakers and so on. But these days we hear a lot of companies um, copying, modeling after like something like Spotify, right? And um, what's, your, what's your take on that in terms of the, the Toyota way of doing things? Very, being very successful in uh, what you guys are doing and, uh, you know, mimicking a Spotify model or maybe that's part of the pattern catalog or how do you see those things differ? What kind of advice do you have to listeners by going after a model like Spotify and here you doing your own pattern catalog, for example, on scaling, right? But probably also many, many other things. Mm. What's your advice to the listeners? Mm. Interesting. Well, I mean, a couple of things you've, you've touched on there, the mm -hmm. Toyota way. So first and foremost, Toyo, any Toyota company and Toyota Connected is no different at all. We are very focused and very aware of our past, what that means to us. Um, the Toyota way is a sort of set of 14 principles of how we think we should behave as an organization. Um, it's a, a well-documented, uh, so mm -hmm. it was documented very well by uh, Dr. Jeff Leica in his book, The Toyota Way. And it's, it's based upon internal documents and principles, which are, are very well articulated in that book. And I, I highly recommend that to mm -hmm. anybody who wants to learn a little bit more about the Toyota Way. But if you see the Toyota Way as a set of principles and philosophies, very much like the Agile Manifesto is a set of values and principles, which gives you the philosophy of being agile. That's what the Toyota Way does for Toyota uh, mm -hmm. members. Toyota's production system, which is more commonly called lean production or lean management, that's really the tools and the mechanics and how we enable ourselves to be lean and to deliver rapidly and to optimize the system of delivering the right product. Um, so these are things that a lot of people have been influenced and indeed I, I recently was talking to uh, Dave West at Scrum Org and uh, was talking about uh, some uh, comments that uh, Ken Schwaber was making and he said himself that uh, a lot of the thinking that went behind Scrum came from Toyota's production system or TPS mm -hmm. otherwise known as Lean um, coupled with the empirical planning uh, uh, process from DuPont. Mm -hmm. So clearly there was two major companies there that influenced the way that Scrum evolved over the years. Um, from my point of view, looking at Spotify, 
there's great things that Spotify have done. The work that was done at Spotify and uh, people like Henry Nieberg made that uh, mm-hmm. uh, very, very uh, visible to the rest of the world was, was groundbreaking and, and extremely good at helping to deliver high-performing themes. Um, now we're moving on into complexity theory and the work of Kenevan under David Snowden and looking at how building teams is more than just putting people together and say, hey, you're a team. And so you've got to look about things like task interdependency. Do we actually need a team? And funnily enough, do we actually need to be agile? If you're making house bricks, maybe agility is not such a big issue. But if you're making mobile phones or the latest connected car technologies, then agility probably is very important. So you've got to look at context, what it is that you actually need and what it is you're actually trying to achieve rather than just doing it because everybody else is doing it. Um, And then what you've got to do is really take the time to study and learn what others have shown us that have gone before, which is what I've been spending a lot of my time doing. But then actually look at what it is you're trying to achieve in your context. What makes sense for your organization? One of the key things here that I've been looking at again more recently going back to is that people tend to focus on organizational efficiency. So how do we reorganize our people and how do we look around with the org chart and actually optimize our organizations rather than looking at how to optimize what's known as flow efficiency, which is how do we get the product or service to the customer in the most rapid way and to optimize the system and the people to enable that to happen. Once you start looking at it from a flow efficiency point of view, Mm. and you start to look at teaming behavior and how we enable great teams to work together, great people to work together to become great teams, which involves training and coaching and mentorship. You can't just stick people together and go, hey, be a great team. And we see that when we study, (laughs) you see that when you study great sports teams, you know, whether American football teams mm-hmm. or rugby teams like the New Zealand All Blacks, we, we learn when we study how they work that coaching is a huge part of how they become successful. So once you understand your context and you understand what it is you're trying to achieve, then start to look at tools and mechanisms and frameworks and teachings and learning from, from other people who have already done it to see what applies in your context. Once we at Toyota started to look at that, Toyota Kinetic started to look at it from that perspective, we start to recognize that just following the ABCs isn't really going to fix everything. And, and indeed, even I get pushback in the office about, you know, purist scrum. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm, I got really a, uh, very much interested in uh, your, your explanations, your, your thoughts and how this company is being structured. Um, Nigel, if somebody like me listens to this uh, episode right now and says, I would love to see this, do you guys do like any kind of go-sees? Can people approach you? Is there any way, I know you guys working on top secret things, but is there any way for people to connect with you and uh, possibly see what you guys are doing in action? Yeah, they can definitely reach out to myself and my team. I mean, that people do all this all the time through LinkedIn. They mm-hmm. email me, they come to various events and and we host visitors continuously. I mean, the other day I was presenting as part of a a group of presenters to a delegation of uh, dealers from Japan who are into Sears. So we get people from around the world coming into Sears. 
Um, we get people from the local markets coming in, individuals asking if they can come and look around. So we're very open to hosting people to come and have a, a, an exploration of how we're, we're doing things. Um, yes, we're working on NDA uh, um, uh, inventions and, and techniques and things as we're going forward, but um, we're careful to make sure that uh, you don't take photographs of the wrong things and we don't expose you to the things that you shouldn't really hear about right now. But we're very happy to, to welcome people from time to time on a pre-planned basis just to say to them, hey, look, you can come and see how we're doing this and see mm -hmm. whether it will help you in your own journey. Nice. Awesome. I want to say thank you, uh, Nigel, for, for all, the, and by the way, all these kind of links and so on, I will make sure will be on the events page on agile.fm so that people can reach out and, and get in touch with you, possibly get a clarification on a few things and, and stay literally connected with you at Toyota Connected. Um, I had to do that. <laughs> um, and, uh, and hopefully, That's okay. and hopefully with uh, the expansion of Toyota Connected, you get a, a few trips back to to the UK, and uh, and just want to say thank you, thank you for uh, your time, and uh, this was very insightful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Agile FM, the radio for the Agile community. I'm your host, Joe Krebs. If you're interested in more programming and additional podcasts, please go to www.agile.fm. FM. Talk to you soon.